how do you feel about barbarians? <sighs> Jake, I feel like you're going to have a strong opinion about barbarians for some reason. Mm. Oh, I love barbarians. That's a lie. That's I know. <laughs> I don't like barbarians. And so I've recently, I remember a Wizards episode, <clears throat> I talked about my disdain for the, the, the wizard class. Um, but s- since then, uh, I have played with two separate wizards um, in my post-apocalyptic one-shot and then my weekend warrior game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've been fantastic. They've been so good. So Would this you has say now knocked that they Barbarian were... down to the lowest of the totem pole. Oh. They are now my least favorite. But someone is playing a Barbarian in my new Waterdeep game that's starting in about a month. So Change my mind. I may be proven wrong again. <laughs> I don't know. I just... <sighs> It's ho- I don't know it, the the kind of person that the barbarian class attracts. How do I say this carefully? Uh, is is oftentimes not conducive to the type of game I want to play. Very diplomatic. Mm. <laughs> are you saying that only dumb people play barbarians, Jake? Are you saying no. barbarians are mentally challenged? Oh no, no. I'm I'm saying that like the people who just want to Hulk smash. Um, are more likely to want to treat the game of D&D like a game, like a video game, like a dungeon crawl. Oh, I um, so disagree. Yeah. Really? Interesting. I, I, f- I feel like the people, I don't know, it attracts a certain singular-minded, non-charismatic, from what I've seen and encountered. So I hope this episode proves me wrong. I have so many questions about this. Okay. So first, I have an observation, and then I'll get to my question. Okay. This your objection to barbarians seems very similar to your objection for wizards initially, yes. where you said you yes. the type of person that it attracts would have to be some kind of bookkeepy um, nerd, right? It would slow yes. down the game and, and all this stuff. But now you're just concerned about the type of person playing barbarian is going to be um, a combat <laughs> hack and slash, yeah, a power game. gamer guy who just wants to <laughs> smash stuff. Like he'll be a bull in a china shop, and you in the china yeah. shop is your game and my life and your life. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so my first question is, what experiences have you had that are so negative? Um, so in one of the first, this is probably why, uh, therapist, uh, mm-hmm. that I've had this experience is because my first ever game um, was in was playing three point five. Oh, first mistake. Um, and 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 the the dungeon master was trying to kill us like it was just kind of a competition be like like he's like i bet i can kill you Ouch. and <laughs> i mean if god wants to kill you he'll kill you yeah. yeah and so um the only person who had played before was someone who had like a decked out barbarian um and was kind of gleefully enjoying that type of game mm-hmm. and it I kind of a, i don't know i kind of uh attribute that kind of min-maxed barbarian who didn't want to talk and just kill everyone mm. just murder hoboey uh numbers crunchy hulk smash against this malevolent god of a dm <laughs> and me sitting there in the middle um just like i hate this <laughs> like this is not what and that that pushed me away from role-playing games for years um so I don't know, maybe I attribute it too much to that. Um, and I'm sure barbarians, I've seen some cool concepts. I just think uh, it takes a little effort um, to get there. And so I don't hate the barbarian, but definitely if we were to rank the classes, it'd, it'd be the last one on the list for me. Okay, seems fair enough. Hmm. 
Welcome to Vox Arcana. I'm William. I'm Jake. I'm David. And this is a podcast about tabletop RPGs, game design, and advice for all game masters. This is episode 28, The Barbarian. Hey, I'm raging. Let's talk about The Barbarian. First of all, what is it? So when I think of a barbarian, I think of just like a very tribal warrior who unleashes an inner fury upon his foes in combat and uses that just anger to fuel his power. Kind of like the Hulk. Yeah, a lot lot like the Hulk. Yeah, I think of when I think of barbarian, I think of Kratos from God of War. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Uh, Hulk. And just like Vikings in general. That's kind of like Berserkers. That's okay. what I think of. I imagine in Diablo 3, there was the Barbarian. And it was just so powerful feeling, like all the moves. Oh, um, and yeah. you're like causing earthquakes and you're jumping around and roaring a lot. Um, basically, oh. it's a lot like um, babysitting a toddler. <laughs> hey, I played a Barbarian in Diablo 3. <laughs> um, but I think that that game really captured that fantasy of being this powerful... Um, unbridled, wrathful being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all of the talent tree or whatever is called like pound of flesh, and like uh, bloodlust, murderous and, like, rage, all this feeling of just oh, like in a cocoon of of muscle and flesh. Oh, let me uh-huh. let me pause this recording. I'm gonna go play some Diablo three real quick. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. So oh. as far as D and D defines barbarians. Uh, they also say that they are the protector of their people. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised to learn about um, not every person from the barbarian tribe is a warrior barbarian. These guys are oh. unique in their people. Because I always picture just like this roving band of powerful, like raging men. Yeah. And, and maybe yeah. maybe women. I, I don't think I've ever seen a female barbarian in my games, but it could happen. Um, but they're they're special. Um, they're also wanderers without roots. They're not concerned about having homes because they necessarily, they by definition, wander. Kind of like Native Americans. Nomad. Perhaps more importantly, um, barbarians have a connection with animal aspects that mm. I find really intriguing. Um, whether that makes you think of like a Native American flavor or yeah. to me, it reminds me of a board game called Whiz War where there's oh. these like animal totems you can drop down. Um, but they're all see that reminds me of the shaman from World of Warcraft. Yeah, see, like we all really kind of like that. And I, you know, I love the shaman too. Yeah, yeah. Barbarians are kind of like the non-magical shamans. Yeah, they're, they're like the fighter shamans. And it's cool because barbarians don't have magic unless you choose. I think there's two specializations that will give you access to like one spell, um, but they have abilities that are kind of like magic. Um, it's also important mm-hmm. to note that the Barbarian is still really simple to play because yeah. you're not managing spells. You're just managing no. um, your rages, which we'll talk about soon. Um, and then maybe one or two other very small abilities you just sort of toggle on and off. Some different weapons, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's almost the opposite of the wizard. Actually, right? yeah, I think you're right. Like on the spectrum. So like the the classic trope of, or just like the cliche of Barbarians being these big, dumb morons these brutes that kind of have to be guided by other members of the party um often uh, resort to violence um or encourage violence um or gleefully engage in violence um do you think that stereotype is true and do you think it's gotten better or worse with 5e 
There's nothing in the rules or in the lore presented in the rules that suggests your barbarian is less intelligent than anybody else, aside from the fact that they grew up in some tribal society where they were looking after sheep and chopping wood. Or, you know, being more nomadic. Even being nomadic, like, you can have advanced societies that they're traveling through and trading with, so that doesn't necessarily mean that they're dumb. I think that the main reason this stereotype exists is because you have a class that is focused on melee, so you're going to want to put a lot of your points into strength and constitution and dexterity and, you know, maybe wisdom. So intelligence isn't a priority, but intelligence also isn't a priority in a lot of other classes. You look at paladin, you can look at fighter, you can look at um, even like sorcerer or clerics. None of those guys have priority on intelligence, really. That's true. Yeah. And they're not dumb. Like, mm-hmm. so it's just, I think it's just a stereotype of like people who like tend to min max classes as being like, I'm just going to play this class that just swings his axe and hits things a lot. And they play for the game and they don't necessarily play for the role playing aspect. And a lot of that just comes down to the player rather than the actual class. That's some, yeah. that's some good insight because I don't know where or when people started thinking that barbarians were dumb. But I've seen players even in my games who are like, I'm going to be a barbarian. I just want to hit stuff. Yeah. You don't do that with the fighter necessarily nope. um, or any other class that has a low intellect. So I'm not sure why it yeah. happened here. Yeah. I think it kind of comes from... It kind of comes from Conan, the Barbarian. Uh, then also, more recently, like Critical Role and uh, Grog, Strongjaw. Um, just, it kind of, people relish in that. It's almost, um, I don't know what I like. I want to call this kind of the Joker Syndrome, where people, a lot of people have this weird fascination with the Joker because it's like, deep down, maybe you're like some deep nihilist or something. And they want to be um, the Joker. And you, you'd kind of just like want to release everything and say nothing matters and ha, it's all chaos. Yeah. <laughs> um, same thing with the barbarian in like a physical sense. Like mm. maybe it's this power fantasy of just like ripping your clothes off and punching someone to death when they make you mad. Yeah. Like just this, this kind of power fantasy of literally having this physical strength where you can kind of address any problem head on when, you know, in the the modern world, you really can't without the police getting involved. <laughs> yeah, I would point out that Conan the Barbarian is not dumb. If you ever read the books, um, he is a very clever and crafty person, much more than you would imagine, huh. because he's more yeah. like a rogue than a barbarian. I think that interesting. What people do like, so we can look at like the main class or not class, the main race that people play as. And that is orcs generally. And then so people generally stereotype orcs as being dumb or half orcs even as being lesser intellectuals. And even the term barbarian, I think, Jake, you talked about it when we were in the settlements and cities and how like Rome stereotyped enemies of like Rome and the Roman state and basically any foreign Anybody who's country. Anyone who was outside of the empire was was a barbarian barbarian. and they're just an enemy (laughs) and they would they would the term itself became to be known as just savage brutal people who are Mm -hmm. less civilized Mm -hmm. and that term like still has those connotations like when we think about it today is someone who is more savage someone who is um wild and that's not necessarily the case for the this class it's just a term that we use to identify the class 
Yeah. I'm really interested um, in my game coming up with with the Barbarian. Uh, the player is from Waterdeep and is a blacksmith. Um, so he's not like some roving barbarian that made his way through the city gates. Like he is a person in like the blacksmith guild uh, and just struggles to control his anger. <laughs> um, so I'm really interested to see a barbarian that's not this kind of enemy at the gates like the people beyond the wall uh, that is actually part of society and just has this kind of supernatural rage anger. Um, yeah, it'll be really interesting without that kind of nomadic wanderer of the wasteland aspect to it. So a lot of the perspective of the the barbarian comes from the, the cliche of these Viking warriors coming from the north, um, these kind of Scandinavian... Uh, raiders um, that would show up on their ships, take whatever gold and um, leather and armor and whatever they found, they would just gather it up uh, and take it with them. And that's how they made their, (laughs) man's got to make a living somehow. Um, So these berserkers um, would come in and oftentimes they were not afraid of death. You know, a lot of their um, uh, myth and religion and like their mythology which comes comes from the Norse tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of have this like if you die a hero's death, you'll end up in the hall of heroes like Valhalla. Um, and so because of that, like they would go into battle um, almost suicidally. Um, so they would oftentimes get uh, not drunk but intoxicated enough to kind of numb the feeling from you know maybe being oh. struck with arrows stuff like that. Yeah, and they would pump themselves up into a literal rage of, of a fury, and then they would do these Viking chants, and they would get all pumped up. They would all drink a lot of wine, and then they would rush into the city, and they would attack so ferociously. Um, that I've actually read some accounts that uh, the Vikings made sure to stay away from each other while they were raiding because they would accidentally hit their comrades because they were just spinning and flailing oh my and God. killing anything they saw. Um, and so with that, you kind of get where Dungeons and Dragons gets this tradition from. Um, yeah. Like they, they aren't wearing a lot of armor. Um, when they do take hits, they seem to, it doesn't seem to affect them like it would a normal person being shot in the chest with a bow. Um, you, you can see them just seething with rage, kind of in this uh, bloodlust where they can't really logically make tactical or strategic decisions. They're just going in to do as much damage as they can. And if they die, they end up in Valhalla. Mm-hmm. Um, so imagine that, like, just put yourself in the shoes of just like some random, you know, uh, Northern European uh, settlement. And you see this, these band, like the, this, this long ship pulls up on the docks and these people just start sprinting at you, flailing their weapons, yelling, chanting, and they seem to not feel pain. That would be terrifying. Just horrific. Like Um, you stab them and they just like continue going on. Yeah, they keep, yeah, and they keep, they're sprinting at you as fast as they can. They're pumped up. Um, They just have this bloodlust, this fury. Um, And so I think D&D kind of nails that aspect of it. These these do seem like – I almost like the name Berserker as a class name better than a Barbarian. Yeah. Um, Because it really is kind of the core of their – like this class without rage isn't really a class. Like this class is about raging. Yeah, I love like the emotion behind – I love the emotion behind like their fighting. I think of um, like Superman in the comics, like when he gets pissed off – Oh, and when yeah. he gets mad, like he yeah. he becomes like a barbarian. 
like that he world just of like cardboard speech. Mm. I feel like I live in a world made of cardboard, always taking constant care not to break something, to break someone, never allowing myself to lose control, even for a moment, or someone could die. But you can take it, can't you, big man? What we have here is a rare opportunity for me to cut loose and show you just how powerful I really am. I, I really like the design of this class where it's like they, they're a skill warrior and they, they manage their emotions well, but like when they, like when you piss them off, like they will destroy you. You mentioned emotion and losing control. Maybe it would be a, a cool twist on a berserker, a, on a barbarian to have them be a really contemplative, meditative kind of person who mm -hmm. has to keep themselves or who, who works to keep themselves very calm. Yeah. And then because they know when they let go, they're going to just lose all inhibition and, and kill. Mm -hmm. And that seems more intelligent than your average. Yeah. Like I spin to win berserker. <laughs> yeah. I spin yeah. to win. Mm -hmm. I, there, there's a lot of fun things that you can do with the barbarian. Yeah. Let's move into our random tables. All right. All right, Jake. Get out your D6. Mm. We're going to talk about the Xanathar's get, Guide. Get out your D6 and roll it up. Xanathar's Guide random tables. Oh, I heard oh. it. All right. Um, so first, uh, the in the Xanathar's Guide, they have these background sort of tables for all the classes. Uh, the Barbarian has three, first of which is your personal totem. This is a, um, a very small, easy-to-carry um, knick-knack. It's very personal to you. It, you. it says it's an object that links to your character's past or future. So roll a d6, Jake, for your personal totem. Three. Your barbarian carries a necklace made from the claws of a young cave bear that you slew single-handedly as a child. Oh, okay. I like that. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, next says, um, the members of many barbarian clans decorate their bodies with tattoos, each of which represents a significant moment in their life. Okay, give me another D6, Jake. One. <laughs> the wings of an eagle are spread wide across your upper back. That's cool. Oh, ah, okay. I, I, would, I might change that to dragon wings or like oh. crow's wings. Yeah, you could, wings of anything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if, if you play an Aarakocra, would you have just human hands tattooed on your oh. back? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Oh, and the last table is your superstition. It says barbarians vary wildly in how they understand life. So uh, here is your own personal superstition. D6, mm. please. Five. You believe that when you walk through a graveyard, be sure to wear silver or a ghost might jump into your body. <laughs> okay i really like that so, so i'm imagining um so yeah I, i'm kind of the champion of my tribe there's a uh i have that bear claw necklace but i, I feel like the tribe is very eagle themed mm -hmm. um and like the the eagle uh wings on my back uh tattooed 
um, a lot of bird imagery. I imagine this guy uh, wearing like a big headdress of like a big griffin oh, yeah. or something yeah. on his head. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, that superstition would be just something that would come up randomly. I'd love <laughs> to see the rogue scoff at him and just be like, you don't really believe that, do you? <laughs> um, if I was a DM, I would make sure that like the second or third time they go through a graveyard, a ghost appears and it sort of validates the barbarians. Yeah. Brain. Yes. And the barbarian's like the only one not attacked. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I'd be great. I think it's interesting, like the idea of having superstitions in D and D, just like having yeah, because they add like such good flavor to mm-hmm. the way that you can role play a character. You just be like, yeah, I don't, I don't trust anybody who like buys things with gold, Ooh. or like you know something weird like that, because it would be. I'm gonna read the rest of these. Stu- superstitions because um, I think they're all really good and it would um, I instead of just making one character have it um, I would try to make the entire barbarian tribe have it and then make oh, sure you yeah. interact with the tribe at least once Ooh, um, okay yeah. so the number one is if you disturb the bones of the dead you inherit all of the troubles that plagued them in life so this already would have a barbarian who's not a very good dungeon like tomb raider oh uh-huh. yeah um, this one this seems like it just caused trouble at the party. Number two is never trust a wizard. They're all devils in disguise, especially the friendly ones. <laughs> yeah, that that's got that's kind of a recipe for disaster. But that that would be a good like one shot thing to have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious why he believes that. Like something must oh, have I'm happened. I'm sure there'd be yeah, yeah, some wizard came in and charmed them all and like yeah. This one reminds me of Thor when he's calling Rocket Raccoon Rabbit for the whole uh, of. Infinity War. Uh, dwarves have lost their spirits and are almost like the undead. That's why they live underground. I could see a barbarian always calling the dwarf um, zombie or like dead man. Or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, number four is magical things bring trouble. Never sleep with a magic object within ten feet of you. This is an. Oh. This is based, I think, on an old rule in AD and D or in second edition where if you were a barbarian, they hated magic because they were so mm-hmm. fearful of it because it's based on Conan. Um, oh. uh, but they would actually give you experience points, like bonus XP for destroying magic items. Oh, <laughs> oh that's that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot. And then uh, we Holy did five about the, the ghost in the graveyard. And then number six is if an elf looks at you in the eyes, she's trying to read your thoughts. That actually <laughs> seems pretty accurate. It seems pretty, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Ooh. Little flavor there i love that so that is all of the uh random tables let's talk about the core features of the barbarian so one of the main core features probably the most the most important one probably one of the most iconic core features of any class is the rage for barbarians just like uh it's i would say it's up there with like sneak attack Mm -hmm. and even just casting spells if you're like a wizard and what rage does is on your turn as a bonus action, you can just go into a rage. And once you do, you have advantage on strength checks and saving throws for strength. Um, you get to add a bonus to your damage rolls um, that increases in levels uh, when using like a strength-based weapon. And then you have resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. It's basically all physical damage, right? Yeah, yes. it's all... It's so annoying as a DM, because it's like... they're. I feel like they're way too tough. Like, that's so good. If you have magic, though, like, it's not magical. 
Like you don't resist magic damage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it says your rage lasts for one minute. It ends early if you're knocked unconscious or, get this, if you end your turn without attacking a hostile creature. So, like, if you take a turn to, like, bandage yourself or help an ally, like, you just calm down. Like, you have to keep on going. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I, I love that mechanic because it's, like, it fits into the, the class identity of just someone who is just constantly just attacking and brutalizing someone. <laughs> brutalizing. This one's fun. It reminds me of 300. Uh, this is called Unarmored Defense. If you're not wearing armor, then you have, um, I think it's equivalent to, like, chainmail on. It's just funny because you need to be naked or mostly naked to be the most effective as a barbarian. My barbarians are always <laughs> naked. 100%. There was another game. I've only heard about it. I couldn't even tell you what it's called. And um, you were playing as Spartans. And you were given more attack bonuses for the less armor you're wearing. <sighs> God, that's so stupid. That's so <laughs> dumb. That, cause I, like, it would make sense if that was true, but it's just not. <laughs> they they were they had plenty of armor. <laughs> yeah, they did. But if that's the fantasy, Jake. <laughs> then I'm not wearing any clothes. I'm going to attack you. <laughs> uh. So at the second level, which is pretty early on, you can get your reckless attack, which means... When you make your first attack on your turn, you can decide to attack recklessly, which will give you advantage on melee weapon attack rolls using strength for that whole turn, but all attacks against you also have advantage. So it's you are just kind of wildly flailing and uh, hoping and just trying to ignore all other attackers. Well, it's like you're more likely to hit, but more likely to be hit. Yeah, exactly. So it's a risk-reward like thing. Yeah. yeah, and I think if you had somebody like who was able to effectively tank, and you know you're not going to be a target of an attack. Um, yeah. Because remember, even if you get hit you, and you're raging, you have the resistance to Yeah, so it's like you're already going to take half damage anyways. So mm-hmm. it's fun to have that risk-reward kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and they sort of push into this idea as you go on. Uh, they have Danger Sense... Um, it's sort of sort of like uncanny dodge for a rogue, I guess. Uh, just advantage uh, for dexterity saving throws against traps and spells. Makes which sense. is very nice. Yeah, so it's really hard to uh, trick and trap a barbarian, which is leaning once again into that fantasy of Conan, who is a very crafty and shrewd fighter. Mm-hmm. And also, he hmm. just uh, he stole a lot. Yeah. Very often, he would just <laughs> steal and kill, and it's pretty fun. So then at level three, you'll get to choose a primal path which is going to determine the way um, the nature of your rage so there are a couple of different paths that you can choose from we'll be talking about those later and then we'll just quickly get through these uh you get extra attack and fast movement it does just what it sounds like feral instinct uh gives you advantage on initiative so you're more likely to go early in the roll uh, unless of course you're using my initiative system in which case um it's more flexible already mm-hmm. and then um at the ninth level you get brutal critical which is you can roll an additional weapons die when determining extra damage for a critical hit with a melee attack which is crazy and then it turns to two additional dice at 13 and then three additional dice at 17 so if you crit you're just getting and you roll, you have a like a great axe that's a d12 like you're just rolling like four or five d12 in some scenarios but only if you crit and and there's yeah. no feature that increases your critical range other than a feat i think that does that right yeah well like through advantage so if you're constantly oh, recklessly true. attacking the odds that you will crit is a lot, a lot higher. higher that's true uh, so theoretically um as you're getting up even toward like level 10 level 9 um 
theoretically you could be critting almost every attack yes and rolling a handful of dice yes uh, for the damage that's that's fantastic not to mention if you're buffed um and you're using magic items yep. and you know spells and everything oh wow. yeah the barbarian is definitely looking pretty appealing to me pretty spicy um all right and then they have relentless rage it just improves your rage um it says oh actually let me change this so with relentless rage when you drop and you're raging if you drop to zero hp you don't die you do have to make a constitution save but if you succeed you drop to one hp instead so instead of being knocked out you're going to you're (laughs) just gonna you get to keep fighting and then each time you use this feature after the first the DC increases. So you can continually like be constantly like attempted to be knocked out and then just like get back up again. This could really save a party from a total party. Oh kill yeah. Because, um, because he gets to reuse it, even though yeah. it does get harder. Yeah. Um, I can see a situation where everyone is down and the barbarian just is the only one who gets up. It's like, he gets knocked Dude. down, but he gets, he gets up back again. up again. I was waiting for <laughs> someone to make that joke. I'm just like, I hope somebody does. And this this would stack with the half orc racial ability, right? Yes. Which is the same thing. So half orc, yeah, we'll probably talk about that later. But half orc is like I think it's once a perfect day. for this class. Yeah, it really. Yeah, is. but you could use the half orc one first, then use this one, then again and again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then um, there's a um, one of the subclasses is the path of the zealot, which is even harder to kill. Oh. So if you build your barbarian right, you would literally never die. Why won't you die? Oh, okay. Um, and then there's just um, more improvements to your critical, um, the brutal critical. Just more dice are added. And the last two you get are Indomitable Might, which this I, I just learned about, guys, because I don't read class features very deeply because you, <laughs> you're never going to be level 18 and 20. Yeah. Like, practically never. Never. Yeah. Um, but at level 18, it says if your total for a strength check is less than your strength score, you can use that score in place of the total, mm-hmm. which means by the time you're 18th level, oh. you will have a 19 or 20, You'll probably a 20. a 20, which means you cannot roll below a 20 for any strength roll. That's, I don't <laughs> – what, even yeah. an attack? How does that work? No, no it would it's just, just strength check. Strength check. Okay, so that's your saving yeah. throws and any yeah. uh, skill roll. So you're always yeah. at 20. And then um, that gets better because at level 20, uh, it says you embody the power of the wilds. Your strength and constitution now increase by four, both of them. And your maximum for those scores is now 24, which means now for strength rolls, you r- always roll a 24. Wow. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. It's pretty good. It's fun. I like it. All right, Jake, give me your thoughts. On the, the class as a whole? Uh, on what we've gone over so far. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's just built for combat, and it's great. And, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to say other than, like, this, this class hits hard. It's survivable. It's, it's tough. It's, I have no interest in playing this. <laughs> <laughs> but it just seems really super good well maybe after you see some of these subclasses they because these subclasses are pretty spicy oh god we haven't even got to subclasses. no we'll be a little faster on these oh no i'm not i'm not saying uh i'm I'm just saying they they're gonna get even more powerful yeah Yeah. um so if you were to align your character preferences would you say in general the ability for utility and role play is more important to you than combat uh yeah Hmm. I, I want to be useful in combat. Like, there's no class that's like just just bad at combat. True. But 
Um, yeah, I would, I would always try to, I don't know when I look at a character, I'm thinking, Oh, how's this guy going to act in a conversation? And I, I, it comes from my kind of drama background. It's like, that's what I look at. Um, I don't look at like, how hard am I going to hit him in the face? <laughs> I don't look at like the, the, the combat first. It's always like, Ooh, how would this guy act in this situation? Okay. That's interesting. Oh, and he does this in combat. All right, fine. <laughs> that's how I view it. I'm guessing David is the opposite. Actually, yes. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> what can thought? I do in combat? What could, what are some what are some like cheesy things that I could do to beat beat the game? <laughs> and then later, and I'm like, like at the oh, very how can end, I like, play? Oh, I guess he'll have a British accent. <laughs> I, guess he'll, I guess he has like green hair, but oh my god! <laughs> Whoa, character development. But that's the only come. thing that that's notable. <laughs> green hair. Wow. Oh, didn't pull any creative muscles on that one. <laughs> nondescript green hair just green hair that's great um that's interesting because i I almost want to have a role-playing challenge can we get like a little siren um a role-playing challenge for jake to make a barbarian who is more interesting out of combat than he is in combat oh oh and we should do the same thing where uh david what would be a class that uh, it's not good I'm at combat. Think, I can make any class good at combat. That's, that's, that's damn thing. sure. God dang it! Because I'm so good at combat. Uh. <laughs> just drop, just drop a thousand dragons on them. <laughs> He'll never win. I'll just jump into my bag of holding and hide. <laughs> just They'll the never bag. see me. <laughs> um, these are the primal paths for the um, barbarian. The first one, um, Jake, you were talking about how you wish the whole class was called the berserker, but they actually have a subclass that is the berserker classic mm-hmm. yes um so with this one i'm calling it hulk smash so i'm gonna just run through these real fast you get frenzy so now as a bonus action uh, you can make an extra attack oh. um, but at the end of combat you will gain one level of exhaustion. so it's actually a different type of rage it's called a frenzied rage mm-hmm. and after you use it you do get a level of exhaustion which i huh. think it's it's something that you don't really see in other classes is no. getting yeah. exhausted from okay. using your abilities. Yeah, there's not a lot of exhaustion um, things that happen. In this Mechanics. Game. I think but, there needs to be more. I agree. Yeah. I love the idea of like, you can try this, but it'll cost you. Pushing and yourself it's like, to What do I have? What do I have? Okay, exhaustion. Give them a level of exhaustion. I think this, uh, yeah, I'd love to see it. I'm trying as a dungeon master to use exhaustion more because I think it's a cool risk reward system Mm -hmm. so um using frenzy it lets you make a single melee weapon attack as a bonus action on each turn so if your combat lasts for six rounds like a full minute right um is it six rounds or is it 60 is six seconds a round is six seconds so it's 10 rounds 10 rounds okay um so assuming you got all 10 rounds and you were doing this every time you still only get one level of exhaustion yeah it's not bad. That's a lot of extra attacks. And then you're critting and you're getting this handful of dice yeah. to roll. Like, oh I think that um, I would love to see a graph of the average damage dealt in one combat with this combination of skills versus like a wizard casting a variety of spells. Because yes. I think you probably could out damage a, a wizard in, in a lot of such situations. Uh, I'm pretty sure they have that. The graph? There are people, there are people on like the, I think... The 3d6 subreddit is what it's called mm. and stuff like that that they they chart out all the damage that you can do like per round per turn and that's assuming that all you care about in D is doing damage yes <laughs> which it is a monster fighting game so it's it's a big no part. it's not oh so disagree so <laughs> disagree it definitely is ask right. anybody so at level six 
for the bar berserker they get mindless rage which is you can't be charmed or frightened while raging and if you are charmed or frightened when you enter your rage the effect is suspended <laughs> for the duration that's weird because like imagine a um some enemy like a lich charms you or a ghost possesses yeah. you and you rage and suddenly like the ghost can't control you yeah i guess because even you can't really control you yeah um, and then it comes off and you're possessed again yeah hmm. so one of the things that i like is uh oftentimes as a dm if you have your party has a barbarian just having a wizard charm the barbarian in most situations is hilarious and it's effective because you're turning one of the party members against themselves. And it's interesting to see how the party deals with like one of their own. Like, are they willing to just like knock him out straight up or like potentially kill him or things like that. But with this subclass, it is a lot harder to do because you can't charm them. They are berserk. At 10th level, you get intimidating presence. Um, what that means is there's a, like a lot of rules on this one, but all it really means is you can frighten one creature with some conditions huh. uh, yeah. because you're so scary. Um, and then the last thing you get is the retaliation. And this just means whenever you take damage from a creature within five feet, you use reaction to make a melee weapon attack back. So it's this, it's not an auto attack, but it is the, um, this great option of just always dealing damage. Yep. Like up to what? Three times a turn. Yep. Theoretically, if you're attacked. So yeah, you're just a powerhouse. Uh, next, from the player's handbook, we have the Path of the Totem Warrior. I've titled this Animal-Themed Perks. Shamanistic. It's a bit like shaman. It's a bit shaman-y. <laughs> you type them. So, so this one has um, too many sort of variations for me to really get detailed on. But in general, uh, you get, at the first level, Spirit Seeker, which gives you two spells, which is Beast Sense and Speak with Animals. So it's kind of druidy in that way. Um, but then you get Totem Spirit, which um, it's for all of your upgrades for the subclass, you're getting these choices all the time. So let me explain. So at third level, you get to choose a spirit, um, and that is bear, eagle, elk, tiger, wolf. They do sort of what you would think, like a bear is more tough. Uh, uh, a tiger lets you jump, whatever. Elk will make you run fast. Um, but then as you continue to level up, you choose those aspects again, but they do something else. So if you picture it oh. almost like a skill tree in a video game. Um, I like that. Yeah, but you're not bound. Like if you chose bear at level one, you can choose eagle at level two or choose bear again to get like a more powerful version of that effect. I, I would like to imagine like as you um, choose these aspects, you start to like become like the animals. Oh, yeah. That you. So if you like choose bear, like you start like getting more furry. <laughs> yeah oh no or uh, feathery <laughs> feathery or even if you just did tattoos eagle eyes yeah oh, eagle eyes yeah or like or even um, tattoos tattoos yeah, would be cool because cool. like a tiger obviously you would look like tony the tiger by the end of it oh <laughs> tony uh, no uh, i love how you said obviously yeah <laughs> obviously tony there's no other option <laughs> there's no other tigers out there oh <laughs> i might also um, say like thematically that that type of animal begins to just follow you around whenever you're in the wilderness like at a oh. distance so there's always oh. wolves nearby. Oh my gosh, I'm I, I'm remembering the scene in Fantastic Mr. Fox when there's that wolf and he raises his paw. <laughs> Just like <laughs> it's so random. I always forget about that. What a beautiful creature! Wish him luck, boys. Good luck. Good luck out there. Um, I think they also have some additional totems. 
um, and animal aspects uh, that are uh, homebrewed. Mm. Um, so I saw like there, there's one that's like a unicorn totem, uh, you know, like to- like the dragon totem. Um, so you can really get creative and if your DM is friendly, kind of make your own version of these. Oh, yeah. Um, that could be really cool. That's true. Um, I, I would probably even do D&D monster type stuff. Like I would Ooh. probably do an owl bear. And then Ooh. I would like combine oh. aspects in some way that seems more balanced, obviously, than just grabbing two for one. A mimic, um, or the asp- or the totem of the goblin. Oh, <laughs> like you split yourself into three, which is also implying that they're an that they're an animal. You're just a barbarian that's three goblins stacked on top of each other. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm imagining a party where there's there's someone a, a barbarian that has a uh, a goblin totem. And he's like, this is my animal totem. And puts it down. And there's a goblin in the party. He's like, what the hell, man? <laughs> oh, and the barbarian believes he can only understand the goblin because he has speak with animals. <laughs> I love these little oh. rat animals. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, man. It's a little outside the rules, but I would allow it. Oh, that would be so funny. <laughs> oh. uh, all right. And then... Um, so it, these totem-themed abilities, but at level 10 you get Spirit Walker, which lets you cast a spell that I just learned about called Commune with Nature, which is um, not really as useful as a 5th level spell should be, in my opinion, unless you have a very specific type of game, a ranger type of game. Um, but it lets you do all kinds of stuff in Commune with Nature. Great. And that is the Path of the Totem Warrior. Jake, bang, bang, bang. Thought, thoughts so far? Oh, I really like the Totem Warrior. I think, yeah, it, I'd love to have a creative DM. And um, a character concept that I was thinking about is uh, a Dragonborn, uh, like a red Dragonborn uh, Totem Warrior Barbarian. Um, that all his, all his rage does is like add fire damage to his fists. Um, and I love the idea of like having a totem maybe that does AoE uh, like area of effect fire damage while also like you're I, I love the idea of punching someone with fire fists <laughs> and then like breathing uh fire on them too like just being kind of a fire themed dragon barbarian oh and you could have the aspect of the dragon that's cool. yeah yeah that's cool. and it would be like some sort of dragon totem oh all right so now we are getting into the xanathar's subclasses i believe so this one is called the Path of the Ancestral Guardian. Um, once again, I'm reminded of Diablo 3, where you had a spell mm-hmm. where you could summon these great warriors of old, and they would run around with you and hit stuff. It's like the Avatar, where you have like all these... like. That's what I thought of. Like yeah. generations of like this cultural memory like you can draw on. Huh. Like maybe you have like a weapon that's magical that like your ancestors used, and you can kind of like channel their spirit while using it. Oh, that's great. And it's like the collective rage of your entire nation. You could tie that into like um, maybe the weapon you have yeah. was used by all of these warriors. Ooh. Um, oh, so cool. I actually thought about um, there's a scene in Mulan. Maybe there's a couple scenes. So Disney's Mulan um, where she like lights the prayer thing in like mm-hmm. the, the shrine and she gets to talk to all of her extended family. And I think you could do something like that with the Ancestral Guardian. Yeah, that's something that'd be really cool to see. Yeah. Um, so I actually called this the Avatar. Because hey, of this, hey. uh, this idea. So you get a ability called Ancestral Protectors. Um, I was actually a little disappointed reading through this because all it really is is kind of a shield um, that you use that's themed around your ancestors protecting you. So It's um, really good, though. It is really good. So ancest- like this, this makes the best tanks in the game almost. Yeah, the damage mitigation so is good. fantastic. So um, Ancestral Protectors says... Um, 
Spectral warriors now appear when you enter your rage. When you're raging, the first creature you hit with an attack becomes the target of the warriors, which then go and they hinder its attack. So basically that target mm. will have disadvantage on any role that isn't against you. So it's kind of like a taunt. It'll make this person focus on you. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty oh, nice. This could be, yeah, I'm thinking of a character right now. That's so <laughs> cool. Um, next you get Spirit Shield, 6th level. Um, it says your spirits provide supernatural protection to those you defend. So you sort of point at another creature within 30 feet, and you can use your reaction to reduce damage that they take by 2d6. Very nice. And that, that mm. reduction increases as you level to 3d6 and later 4d6. It is nice. It's nice. I mean, that takes a big chunk out of, yes. out of most attacks. Yeah. You get Consult the Spirits at level 10, um, which lets you cast Augury or Clairvoyance without using spell components, which is really cool because those are sort of like question-asking uh, spells like to determine information about the, yeah. the world or the and it's like Some of the best the... roleplay happens with that. Oh, yeah. Like talking to dead people. Oh, yeah. yeah. This, is, oh. this is like a downtime role-playing dream yeah and it totally fits with the feel of the ancestral uh guardian and the last one you get is vengeful ancestors um so it's the same thing as the spirit shield which you roll those uh 3d6 to reduce but now in addition to reducing damage to your ally it hits whoever hits them back for that amount of damage Mm. and since you're using it all the time yeah it just like slaps back that would make it very hard as a dungeon master to like kind of have that metagame be like okay should i hit this guy it's obviously going to do damage to me mm-hmm. but that's what the, this little goon would do <laughs> yeah um yeah. so oh man that, this is just some of the most powerful tanking stuff i could imagine i'm imagining this multi-class with like a cavalier fighter um and i'm imagining like this mounted crusader and like maybe all of his buddies that died on the crusade with him like oh. are there it's like ghost knights alongside mm. of him like oh that's yeah, cool. cool yeah you could even do like um a sailor maybe like a ghost ship it's full oh, of this guy's yeah. ancestors Ooh. and he's the last one left mm, the last of his kind Avatar. the last of his crew the last. Oh, <laughs> oh my all right and the world cool. needed him most he vanished so i already i'm loving like how different these barbarians feel yeah compared to a, st- a more straightforward berserker yeah um and as we're seeing with these um we'll get to my my favorite one is um it's coming right up so uh, next is the Path of the Storm Herald. This is not my favorite, but it is cool. And this one's all themed around weather. Um, I think you could do a nautical sort of feeling like like that sailor or pirate, as I mentioned. Um, I'm calling this one the Eye of the Storm. Mm. Because everything you do involves this aura, this, this radius around you that does stormy things. Huh. So at third level, you get your first aura. It extends 10 feet around you in every direction. Um, it activates when you enter your rage. Uh, and then you can activate the effect on each of your bonus turns. So you choose uh, desert, sea, or tundra, and they all do different things. So desert is like a blast of fire damage. Ocean is um, uh, de- whatever, lightning damage. And then tundra is like a healing thing to your friends. Huh. I Do you have to be in that environment? Is it one of the, Or is it just kind of aura no. like emanates from you? It yeah. just The aura emanates okay. from you. Cool, cool, cool. And you can change That's it whenever you cool. want. It's not like you yeah. pick one and you're stuck with it. That's interesting. Hmm. Hmm. At least as far as I can tell. And then at level six, uh, it says your storm aura is now just always on, um, even when you're not raging. Um, well, it has it, different, it, but it has a different, like a passive effect yeah. in addition to when. Actually, the monk in Diablo three basically did this, where you have like a passive aura, and then when you activate it, it does something else. Yeah. Oh. And it's the same desert sea tundra, um, but uh, they're themed. So like the desert passively gives you resistance to fire damage, which is great. 
Uh, and you can also set things on fire by touching them if you want. <laughs> Which is awesome. Yeah, that's really fun. When you want. <laughs> yeah, it's not like you're you know always catching things on fire. It's just... <laughs> Uh, and the then Midas touch, the Midas touch of flammability, just like oh, oh, oh no! I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's got that hot touch. Hot touch. <laughs> and then uh, for the sea, it lets you resist lightning damage, and you can breathe underwater, and you can swim really fast. And then tundra resist cold. Uh, you don't suffer the effects of extreme extreme cold, and um, you can turn a five foot cube of ice or, or of water into ice. Um, so this makes me think that there's some tribe of barbarians that are the storm heralds that are all um tundra yeah and they're it's almost like how mr freeze lives in antarctica right like yeah. they they survive these impossible conditions all of them mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting that's cool. well, i'm just like imagining kind of like wall. it'd be yeah. really cool to have um like there's a lake and you just like freeze the lake in front of you as you're like walking to walk that's over cool. it mm-hmm. that's a great moment like that'd be really cool uh at level 10 you get shielding storm um, you can use your storm to protect others. Each creature of your choice has damage resistance you gain from the storm uh, in the last feature. So it, it just extends your, whatever res- resistance you have to your allies. Which is cool. Interesting. It's nice. Yeah, I, I like this. I almost, um, same thing with the totem warrior. Like, I'm trying to think of other ones, like, to homebrew. Um, like, environments. Like, I don't know. Uh, like, what if one of your, uh, what do they call them? The auras um, was a, like, a volcano. Oh, Hmm. like a volcano barbarian um yeah i don't know or like mountain. a forest mountain barbarian forest barbarian yeah these these are really cool i like beach i barbarian. like the choices mm-hmm. because if you're a beach barbarian, <laughs> beach bum <laughs> beach bum barb um yeah i like i like the choices that you get to make because barbarian doesn't get to make a lot of choices yeah um otherwise yeah. they're pretty straightforward but these are kind of let you be a little creative yeah, it, it is really fun, and I could see um, easily homebrewing things. Like right now, I'm thinking there could be a swamp storm of some kind, and it just oh, would make the terrain yeah. around you like difficult terrain for enemies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just turns normal dirt into mud all the time. All the time. Easy. Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, and then finally, your last ability is called the Raging Storm, which just improves the effects of all of your auras. Um, so let's see. Desert, this is like that fire one. Uh, if you're hit by an enemy... You can use your reaction to make them make a saving throw. If they fail, they take fire damage, but not a lot mm. of fire damage. I don't know. It, it seems like it would slow the game down, but what do I know? Because um, <laughs> it's like every, every time like you got to roll and then you roll and whatever. Yeah, but when you get it, it's like seven damage on hit. That's true. With every time if you hit, and which not is all, pretty good. Not all creatures and have you get like, saving what, throw. a few extra attacks at that point. So, mm-hmm. so you're <laughs> rolling a handful of dice and everything that hits you is taking damage and can't hit your allies. There's all sorts of fun things. Yeah, it's it's great. And then um, the C, uh, when you hit a creature with your aura, they make a strength saving throw and they fail and they down. fall down. Yeah, so they get knocked down, but they don't get back up again. <laughs> he comes back. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> the last one is the Tundra. Uh, and basically, if they hit you, they make a saving throw. And um, if they fail, their speed is reduced to zero as if magical frost covers it. So oh, I just like that's I'm, cool. Wow. Like, I'm just like imagining like they go to move and their just feet are stuck yeah. in ice. That's really cool. It's got a good flavor, a good feel. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, here is my favorite. Um, we mentioned this before. This is the Path of the Zealot. Mm. I call it the God of War. Um, so this guy, it, it almost reminds me of Zelda 
in the Zelda stories, there's like this great hero that comes back to life, and it's always Link or like oh. a version of Link. And so this is somebody who you mean Zelda? Yes, the hero of Zelda. Zelda. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so this guy is just super easy to resurrect, and it's so weird because like, imagine a person who's in, who's been a, around like for many eons. He just kind of comes. He's resurrected. He kills the enemy, and then he dies again. And they like put him in his his tomb. Oh, I think it'd be fun if like the first mission of the party cool. was to like resurrect like the zealot. Yes, like that would. Be oh, cool. that would be because he couldn't make it the first session. So <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Masters, like. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so the first ability you get is Divine Fury. Um, this one's just kind of odd. Uh, it says the first creature you hit on each of your turns with a weapon attack takes a- an extra d6 damage plus half your barbarian level, whatever. Not important, but it's either necrotic or radiant damage. So you, it's so weird I, that necrotic could be considered divine. This is really interesting. Yeah, um, but to be fair, there's not a lot of resistances to necrotic or radiant. At level 3, you also get the Warrior of the Gods. Uh, it says your soul is marked for endless battle. It says if a spell, such as Raise Dead, has the sole effect of restoring you to life but not to undeath, the caster doesn't need material components to cast the spell. Oh, so it's just really <laughs> it's easy. Free. Yeah. yeah. This wouldn't work in my world. I'm really interested how this would work. Maybe he's oh, the one guy. He's the one guy who could come back to life, right? He's he's special. Oh, like it could work because yeah. if it. So if I were you, Jake, and you have a player, because you have like these preset sort of like story arc campaigns, um, he's uh-huh. he's just there for that one campaign. He's the one guy who can come back to life, but yeah. but knowing that he would die after a certain time. Huh. Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. He's got a ticking clock. Like his body is like decaying. Oh. Every time he resurrects, like his body like decays a little. Oh, oh that's really that's good. That's cool. And this is his last He's resurrection. Like, yeah. This is my life. It's not gonna work another time, buddy. This is it. And then you can explore the idea of like a warrior who has done nothing but kill and is so tired of it, um, and is looking forward to like his warrior's death to going to Valhalla. Oh, oh it's almost. It reminds me kind of Logan, like Wolverine. Oh yes. Yeah. At the end, old man Logan, who's just like tired of being this killing machine. This is excellent. Because like every time yeah. he's been resurrected and he's walked up to the gates, they're like not yet. Oh. And he's just sent back. <laughs> oh. Like he's a choice each time. That's awesome. Yeah. That you know, I'm gonna have to write a short story about this, <laughs> like that's, that's, that's fantastic. really cool yeah. yeah that's cool so that is warrior of the gods um which i think is just the core of everything um fanatical focus is at level six it says the divine power that fuels your rage can also protect you if you fail a saving throw while you're raging you can re-roll and you have to use the new roll great cool. you're protected by your fanaticism next is your zealous presence at level 10 you learn to channel divine power to inspire zealotry in others um, it basically, it just grants up to 10 allies nearby advantage to their roles. So this is pretty nice because like, you do that right at the yeah. start of a combat and everybody is almost guaranteed to hit. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Terrific. That's sweet. And then the last one, um, <laughs> Rage Beyond Death. Uh, the divine power that fuels your rage allows you to shrug off fatal blows. It says when you're raging, having zero hit points does not knock you unconscious. You must still make death saving throws and you suffer the normal effects of taking damage while at zero hit points. However, if you would die due to failing death saving throws, you don't die until your rage ends. And oh, you, that's so weird. And you die then only if you still have zero. <laughs> Whoa, so you're like, I'm still up, but if I, I just I'm, see I'm him on like, a timer. He's laying on the ground, like still very conscious and very mad. He's like, come and get me. <laughs> he's like impaled on like a spike. No, I'm just pit. imagining the guy from Monty Python. No, 
you stupid bastard. You've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look. Just a flesh wound. <laughs> That's so cool. That, so, okay, all of these classes that came out with Xanathar's uh, guide, the, the new subclasses, mm -hmm. I was kind of, I don't know. I, I looked at the different ones, and there's so many that just seem to be like holy flavored subclass, you know? So now we have the the divine sun soul monk and we have the uh pact of the uh pact of the angel warlock mm -hmm. and then the uh you know the it just feel like they're just adding kind of divine flavor to everything um but each time we do the subclass i'm like that's really cool yes <laughs> um so so yeah this is um this is really interesting it'd be fun to be and like I a like religious it. like blessed by the gods mm -hmm. kind of warrior. yeah yeah, yeah I think it's really it. good. And and thinking like, okay, I'm I'm gonna after this I'm gonna write my story. But um, the the zealot like he has no more people. He doesn't know anybody. Yeah, he no. shows up. It's like riding on a plane and you meet a person. You're only gonna be around for a couple hours. Mm -hmm. You're like I don't, you know, I don't really want to get to know. What you. do they say in Fight Club? It's a single serving friend. Oh, oh. Um, and that's kind of how he would view people. I think after a while, yeah. it's like, okay, great, you're like some great king's son, and you're gonna do a quest with me. Fantastic, but you know right. who cares? Because yeah. I'm gonna die, and I'll see you in a thousand years. She's I'll see your gruff. grandson, you know, ten thousand years. From oh, now. that would be a great hook in. Is he he interacts with like he knew ancestors? His oh, yeah. um, or maybe there's an elf who has been consistent in his life. Oh, he's his one friend. He's his one friend. Oh. Dang! Oh, that's interesting. Okay, the last one I thought was very odd. Um, I, this is not in one of the books. I think it must have been a unearthed arcana. Uh, this is called the Path of the Battle Rager. It is our final subclass, um, and this is oh, it's only for dwarves. Um, I'm calling it the thorny thorny boy. <laughs> the thorny boy. Yeah. Hmm. So when you choose the battle rager as a dwarf, you gain a special armor, special spiked armor. Um, that does everything. All your class features hang off of this idea of when, like, you can be thrown into battle and you just, yeah. whenever stuff attacks you, they, they take damage. Um, so these are really brief. Uh, level six, You when you use reckless attack or raging, you also gain temporary hit points equal to your con modifier. So you, it's just to kind of make you a little tougher as you get thrown into battle or shot out of a cannon or whatever you do. Uh, at level 10, you can take dash as a bonus action while you're raging because we want to get you into the combat. And then the last one is Spiked Retribution at level 14. When a creature within five feet of you hits you with a melee attack, they take three piercing damage if you aren't raging incapacitated oh, in respect armor. Oh my gosh. So I'm imagining this in my world. Of, so in my world, it's like the Republic, um, and they're pretty well organized. It's a little bit steampunky. Um, but like dragons are used as like kind of like Vietnam War choppers. Like they just kind of come in and drop people off from like this big uh, chassis underneath their body. Um, so they're kind of these like combat um, things and people will, you know, they'll, they'll have big ballistas on top of them and stuff like that. Um, but I love the idea of like, there's these horde of, of demons or zombies or whatever that's coming towards um, maybe the Dwarven capital. <laughs> and <laughs> maybe I love the idea of this, uh, the battle ragers, these being convicts. <laughs> for criminals that are just like so that's it what we some kind of suicide squad they're basically just the dragon flies over like this this big silver dragon or gold dragon uh and just drops these guys out of like this oh canister and they just are supposed to go down there kill as many as they can before they they die 
Dude, these are <laughs> like I love this it. This is just, just balls, the spike balls. This is the Mad Max subclass. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, I'm just imagining everything is just like Mad Maxian armor, where it's just like the pointy, like oh, yeah. sharp, pointy, like things Rusted. coming off of it, and they're just like the uh, what are they called? The War Boys. The war boys. War boys. And yeah. they're just like, <laughs> just painted white and just fighting, raging. You lie, eternal, shiny and chrome. Yeah, it does speak to a certain amount of like derangement and madness. Yes. I could see them yeah. like having these great, almost like a tractor tire that's like covered in spikes, <laughs> and so they like roll them into a battle, <laughs> and then they yes. pop out and they're just like yeah. <laughs> crashing into guys. Like it's really, um, I, there's probably a tone you can you can make it work with a regular DD campaign, but I think it works really well in a Dark Sun or a. Dude, I need to play a Dark Sun Mad Max game yeah. so bad. Because that would be so oh, much fun. Really fun. Yeah, I'd have these this. like spiky boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <clears throat> well, that is all of the class features. Anything else you guys want to add, Jake? How are you feeling about the barbarian? Oh, I think it's I think it's fun. I, I'm I'm more excited for, uh, for the the guy in my group to play one. Um, I don't I don't know which uh, path he's going. Mm-hmm. Um, which one do you hope class. he picks? Um. I wonder if this comes out before we start, if this will affect his choice. <laughs> um, I'd probably want him to be an ancestral guardian. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, because, I don't know, I feel like that'd be really... Because these characters are going from 1 to 20. We're doing Waterdeep, oh. uh, Dragon Heist, then Dungeons of the Mad Mage right after. And it, and my campaign has been leading up to this. Um, so they're going to be high level and... Yeah, maybe because he's also a because he knows his backstory, but not the subclass. So mm-hmm. he's like this blacksmith um, that just gets anger has anger problems. So he has a um, black story. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so this blacksmith, um, I I really want him to dip into forge cleric. Um, oh yeah, and I feel like it would fit really well for him to be a forge <clears throat> cleric and then ancestral guardian uh, barbarian tank. I feel oh. like that would fit really well. Hmm. I wonder if it'll affect his decision. Well, I don't know. <laughs> so, David, with all going through all the subclasses, um, core features of the Barbarian, what do you think needs improvement? Because I know you always find an error somewhere. Hmm. I think it's pretty good. Wow. I like. <laughs> so I have no complaints. I have no complaints That's, with whoa. the Barbarian. I think that That's it awesome. for what it does and for what it's designed to do i think it does it very well i think you have a lot of options there's a lot of creativity that you can have there's room for uh, role play and there's a lot of opportunities so yeah i think it's i think it's good is my seal of approval Hmm, okay i have a follow-up question yeah because i have listened to our other previous class shows and you said that the monk doesn't have enough role play flavor and yet oh, the barbarian has uh-oh. no role play flavor compared even to the monk and yet this one gets the pass and the monk did not called out it called out oh shoot um i think it does have a lot of role play flavor though because you're a, like a traveling nomad so you have a lot of like ways in which you can interact with people and like and that's better having... than a monastery um i just i so for me personally, in my worlds, I don't include anything of like the Eastern world. Mm-hmm. So mine is Eastern just tradition. Game of Thrones. Like there's no like Asia. Yeah, I it's see. European. So it's harder for me to incorporate those types of things 
into my games. Whereas with the Barbarian, it's like, yeah, they're just like a nomadic, like, raging group. Uh, okay. You know, it's easy to... And I- I also think you're coming at it from a different angle because you're saying flavor in regards to combat, I think. And I'm thinking flavor in regards to backstory. I I think there's plenty of flavor in regards to backstory as well. If you look at all the subclasses, like, oh, yeah, there's one that's focused on um, like the animals. There's one that's focused on like different terrains. There's one that's focused on like, you know, being a zealot and being like more religious focused. There's one that's focused on. Yeah, just, yeah. Like, the I, combat itself, like yeah. I just, I don't know. I feel like, um, and you can, it. I feel like you can easy, more easily infuse backstory and character arcs and flavor into a monk than you can a barbarian. And it, that's not saying it's hard. It just takes more effort. Um, I and, mean, I disagree, but sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, because I they have similar problems for me because a lot of times people are just like i just want to punch a dragon to death you know it's like all right well you could be a monk or a barbarian um but yeah i think i don't know i I didn't know much about the barbarian coming into this and now that i know more about it i'm just like geez it's even worse than i thought in regards to a dungeon master because it's you know stronger than i thought oh my god (laughs) so um yeah i'm very interested to have them in my games because yeah i also want to do the good job of infusing roving tribes of barbarians because you yep. said you don't have any monasteries or kind of eastern traditions and stuff uh in your games but in my games yeah i, I haven't had kind of tribes of barbarians i had one in the post-apocalyptic but that was because that character was kind of they were kind of survivors yeah. in the hills so that's interesting what are some good backgrounds you could use for a barbarian i See, this is what scares me because it's the it's the ones we talked about um, in our background uh, episode that that aren't necessarily bad. They just take effort to kind of be inclusive with them. Um, so, like, uh, what's the one? A nomad or outlander? Um, what's the one? The hermit, hermit outlander. Um, is there one that's like tribal, or would that be outlander? Mm. Um, so. Um... I think, so you have some interesting ones. You could be an acolyte. So if you're like the zealot, you could be more religious. Oh, yeah. Um, you could be a, um, you'd be like a folk hero. Uh, yeah, oh, it, yeah, it definitely true. does lend itself to being more like hermit, um, gladiator. Uh, yeah, gladiator's really cool. Gladiator subclass. There's one from the Sword Coast Adventures guide called the Far Traveler. It's huh. just so they're, they're like. just from a they're kind of a foreigner just yeah. from a faraway land yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i think i like gladiator most yeah that's super good yeah or just like kind of i don't know that that path the zealot was really interesting to me because it's like you're not even part of the world like that concept of that character it's like your job is to be resurrected and then fight the next war and then never being able to get into Valhalla. <laughs> it's just that's so compelling and interesting. And there's like a built-in arc there um, that if someone brings that up to me, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. That's so cool. Oh, this is so good. Oh, so actually, if you're going to do Tomb of Annihilation with that barbarian, then you would just say like, he can't die right now. Like it's the first time that he has to be careful to not die because he can't be brought back oh it just seems a shame to uh to wreck his class feature for the purpose of a campaign though yeah uh, not to me 
<laughs> You'd have to compensate uh, in some other ways. Yeah. Okay. Um, who should play a barbarian, Jake? Um, Aside from you. <laughs> I should. I really should for like a one shot or something. Mm-hmm. Um, who should play a barbarian? Uh, people that like to... I don't know. A lot of times when you have a party, I've had a lot of parties that are very charismatic. They're very diplomatic. They're very intelligent, and charismatic, and they can uh, talk their way out of things. Um, and sometimes that makes it a creative challenge for me to kind of force them into combat. Like I'll have to present like an iron golem that cannot be reasoned with um, or like non-sentient creatures that just attack. Um, but it would be really interesting to have someone who uh it's just like let's do this who's just like I- i'm ready to attack like i, I goes in i rage i rage yeah just goes in um kind of without thinking and oftentimes that scares me because i'm like oh it could eliminate role play opportunities but my group is so role play opportunity focused that that would almost be refreshing now hmm. um to just have kind of someone who just takes action um because a lot of times you can sit around uh, a trap uh, or sit around in a dungeon uh, or any situation and over plan uh, and just plan forever. And suddenly like two hours have passed and you haven't figured out the best way forward, even though it's just like, you should just try. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think so, there's yeah. a, there's a picture that I sent Jake and it was just like, <gasps> oh, <yeah. laughs> trying to go left or right. In yeah. A dungeon. <laughs> and it turned out that they were both like just part of this. They they're just the two. Home. Yeah. They're both they part of the same hallway the and they both went to the same way. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> they, they spent like 30 minutes debating to go left or right. Mm-hmm. So annoying. Yeah. And so I think it, it's refreshing to have a player um, that's, that's willing to do that. My worry is that if I have someone like that, I go, Oh, this is refreshing. And then like a few sessions in, I'm like, this is now annoying. You know, like, to have someone who's just like, oh, I kill him. <laughs> it's like, okay, uh, okay. It's like having kind of a dumb brute barbarian um, is really cool and funny for a one shot. But I feel like when the barbarian's doing that, when you all are like level fifteen, um, it and you're like, you know, twenty sessions in, it's it kind of loses its. But I mean, honestly, that's just that's just like if you have a player who's socially intelligent, like they'll know when to do that. So. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I have complete trust in my players. I don't know, I'm, I'm afraid of this, like, I'm, I'm afraid of that guy I played with in high school, uh, played uh, 3.5 <laughs> of that kind of player. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> I'm going to smash you, Jake, with my big barbarian. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's weird that I'm viewing this as, like, Someone could just like sneak into my house and play at my table. <laughs> like someone just shows up. They have just this loaded like, barbarian. I... <laughs> no, because yeah, it's I huh, can. You're gonna throw a I goblet control... at me? Oh, huh, I'm gonna wreck like, it. <laughs> I can control who's at my table, and so yeah, I, I've been playing with the same group of guys for years now, and <laughs> I'm not worried about any of the things I claim to be worried about with them. So <laughs> I don't know. That's funny. All right. Uh, so lastly, what are some character concepts you guys uh, would like to do with the Barbarian? So mine is extremely unorthodox, and it's going to make people complain uh, on Twitter, I think. What? Uh, I, I call this the Hulk. I'm leaning right oh. into that cliche. So this is three levels in Berserker Barbarian and three mm-hmm. levels in Invention Wizard. 
What is what? Um, it's a. I think it's an unearthed oh, arcana. arcana. Yeah, uh, it's just like a tinkering wizard, like an artificer or something. This way, you get that Bruce Banner feeling of like, oh, like a really, <laughs> yeah, like he's hyper intelligent, but then he'll just like lose his mind and then have to Hulk out and kill. Like them. Jekyll and Hyde sort of thing. I I really like that. <laughs> it's I mean, not I f- optimal. <laughs> I feel like you'd have to do wizard first and then like multi class, um, mm. into barbarian. Yeah. Um, so it like suddenly turns. Um, <laughs> I lo- I love 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 that when characters have an initial idea in mind, but they are certain things happen in the campaign that makes them just totally uh, just uh, alter course um, and make their character something else. Um, yeah. Yeah. That that's that's awesome. Yeah. One, David. Yeah. So I have uh, I have one. He's like um, he would be the um the animal subclass for barbarian okay mixed with totem yeah the totem subclass mixed with a druid and it'd be like protector of the forest so huh. they they use their um their druidic nature and the um and the rage to just like protect like a certain area of land mm. from people who are trying to uh take over it can you rage in animal forms? I don't know, but I think it would be yeah, a I don't know, really cool you? concept. I think I'd allow it. I would. <laughs> I mean, I don't I know. I would definitely allow it. Like that would I'm be just such a cool like a idea. Panther that's just look, looks like kind of roided out. Yeah, it's <laughs> like oh, bloodlust yeah. in its eyes. Jeez. Yeah, like, that's cool. That would be really cool. Hmm. Um, I think for me, the one that just stuck out was. David, what you mentioned, uh, I think we all kind of added to it, the concept of the zealot barbarian that keeps coming back. Um, and you said that was really cool that he keeps coming back by choice. Um, like he looks at the gates of Valhalla and says, my work's not done yet. <laughs> and then goes back out um, like into the world to be resurrected. Yeah, That's really cool. But I almost like it better if each time he dies, he goes up to the gates of Valhalla and they're always shut. And they and turn locked. him away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he can never. So he comes back to uh, to Earth, like to uh, the plane of existence. And he that's where his rage comes from. Because um, he looks around and he's like, I've done way more than, than plenty of people who have probably made it to Valhalla. Why haven't I made it in? Oh. Like, I deserve it. So every time he kills something, he'll like scream up at the heavens and be like, is that enough, gods? Oh. Is that enough yet? <laughs> I love like, that. Oh. oh. Yeah. And he's just trying to prove himself and he feel, feels like he already has and he hasn't gotten what he deserved. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. But I also like with the DM in my mind uh, as a dungeon master i would make it that um valhalla has been uh wiped out oh no and so he's screaming to gods that have been killed oh so he's like he's not getting into valhalla because no one is um and so that would be kind of the the big higher level challenge is like figuring that out and realizing like the gods haven't been ignoring them like they've been taken or they've been killed that's so sad oh yeah oh that's interesting. I love that concept. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that <laughs> for any of my players listening. Uh, if you want to play that concept in an upcoming campaign, you go right ahead. You uh, <laughs> you play that out. Though as long as 
everybody is not playing the exact same barbarian. Everybody <laughs> is just undying. I'm just war. imagining these all of these barbarians each killing a goblin and all of them simultaneously <laughs> look up. Was that enough gods at the in sync? Just Oh. Have you ever seen people um when they played World of Warcraft and they would have like five computers, like five accounts playing at once <laughs> and, and they all move the in the exact same yeah. like, <laughs> they move in perfect unison and they all cast the same oh spell. My God. Oh no! I remember that because I was playing. I was uh, uh, raiding a place, or I can't remember. It might have just been in like the battlegrounds PvP. Uh, but there was a totem. <laughs> there was a a totem, a shaman, of and whenever they placed down a totem, it put four totems down. Yeah, <laughs> and so there was just like hundreds of totems, and we like couldn't even enter. Oh god! <laughs> All right, we don't have a question vault this week, but we do have a new feature. David, what are we calling it? We're calling it. The creature feature. So what's our what's our creature that's being featured this week? This week we're talking about the owl bear. Owl yes. bears. Oh my! A D and D staple. I they love sound the like bear. quite a hoot. Okay, <laughs> get, get him out of there. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> the trap door opens beneath David. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Um, so what do we know about owl bears? Uh, so it's like an owl uh, and a bear. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's all, not, folks. Not like, <laughs> so you would suspect a bugbear um, would be uh, half a bug, bug, half bear. And a bear. Uh, that is not true, but that is true for the owl bear. Wait, so is an like, owl bear is a bug and a bear? No, get out. <sighs> I, I, I pulled the trap door and it's not working. <laughs> Stuck. Um... So yeah, so it's just like this bear, but it's it's feathered with kind of these white gray feathers. I guess it could be any color. Um, and it has this big, wide owl head. Mm-hmm. Um, and this big, huge beak that has like teeth in the beak, which is just absurd. <laughs> teeth in a beak, teeth and everything. So, <laughs> I've got a question for you guys. Can owl bears turn their head around 360 degrees like real oh. owls? Ew. I would say yes. I've never seen that, but that would be awesome. Like, to okay, like... <laughs> here's the scenario where that plays out. So you're in a dangerous wilderness area. Yeah. You know there's signs of predators everywhere. So mm-hmm. the players go up in the trees like to camp. Like they've yeah. got hammocks or whatever. And an owlbear walks along the path. Somebody fails to stealth roll. And the head turns all the way around and looks straight yes. up into the sky. Oh. And that's how you get found out. Oh. That's awesome. Creepy spooky. I didn't even think. Of, yeah, that's. That's so cool. I think owl bears are such a perfect example of um, infusing fantasy uh, stuff into your game early, because um, you can often introduce owl bears when the characters are level one, um, and then you, they immediately go like, "Wait a second, this isn't like you know we aren't in the in Europe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not in Europe anymore." <laughs> Um, it doesn't feel like it suddenly takes it from like this classical medieval to this more fantastical uh, place. And owl bears are a really good way to do that. Um, I, it reminds me of Avatar, uh, the Last Airbender, mm-hmm. uh, where all of the animals are just like mixtures of two or three animals. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you see these things, and it's like, what the? And, and it immediately makes you go, okay, this world is not like ours. Yeah. Um, it is mystical and fantastic and. Oh, very I think owlbears are such a good starting monster just to show people, especially if they've never played D D, like this world is different. There was like a, a monster hunter game and I I forget what it's called, but it's like um 
it kind of has the Legend of Zelda like art style. Oh, okay. And they have owl bears in it. It's like the whole goal of the game is that you're just like hunting monsters, and it's like really cool to see like how it like an owl bear like they think it would attack, and it's like it like uses how its wings behave? and all that because it like it's still like an owl and a bear, so it like has wings and it can kind of fly and do all that. Oh, what weird? I didn't know. Um, so in the monster manual, it says that owl bears are a product of a mad wizard's uh, experimentation. Mm-hmm. So this makes me wonder: Are there other strange combinations of uh, unlikely animals that uh, that we could use in our game? Oh, well, what are some good combinations of animals that we could come up with? Well, so I would argue that an owl is less scary than a bear. Um, it's not like you're making an apex predator. You're just like screwing with genetics now. Yeah. Because like a regular bear is, <laughs> is frightening enough. Yes. Um, actually, I almost ran over a mother bear and her, her cub late one night in the Sequoia Mountains while I was driving home. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh. yeah, uh, that was scary for me. <laughs> and they yeah. weren't even an owl. Yeah. It's probably pretty scary for um, the bears too. Interesting. So your question was making what other what kind other of combos can you make? Combos. Like a mundane creature combined with a predator. Like a pig and a snake. Okay. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't know because I I look at this not as like what combos can we make because that's kind of it feels kind of cheap to no. just be like uh like look it's a crocodile mixed with a uh, raven. Um, oh, what would that be like? Yuck. Um, <laughs> but I I really like just doing stuff like you look at into the water and there are several huge crocodiles um but maybe they have spikes on their back or maybe they have four legs on each side Mm. um just little stuff like that to to be like okay this isn't just a standard crocodile or this world is more fantastic than we thought um but also what you did will um in the star wars game when you had um an example of this is basically taking an animal out of its element and making it comfortable, like in another element. So, mm. like those those black stealthy tree octopuses. Oh my god, octopi oh, yeah. was horrifying, right? Because yeah. we know what an octopus is, we know where we are, and it's like the last thing you'd expect. Um, and but it's still that's what makes it kind of uncanny and terrifying. Ooh. And I love things that make you go, wait, what? Ah! <laughs> like, imagine having, like, sky whales. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm thinking of just, like, jellyfish that are floating around, like, in the air. Um, how that would maybe make, like, a fey wild forest seem more mystical and magical. Ooh. That's true. And they would glow with a soft, eerie light. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Basically, it's an underwater scene that's above the, the ground. Yeah. That's cool. Um, have you guys used owlbears uh, often? I oh. use them every single low-level campaign. Many times. <laughs> it is my yeah. number one staple aside from goblins. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a good way just like the second they leave town. Yeah. It's kind of the first thing they see after the tavern <laughs> in like the classic most epitome of D&D. Um, yeah, I, I had one where uh, they killed an owlbear but left the cubs. Oh, <laughs> classic mistake. And there were these two... Uh, cubs that kind of followed them around for a while in my first campaign um i I also like that um you can kind of go and people are kind of just like oh cool there's an owl in the oh god there are owl bears in this universe and it kind of makes you afraid of standard woodland sounds yeah (laughs) 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 (laughs)
question of all questions or a creature you would love to see in our next feature, you can email us at voxarcanapodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Voxarcana episode 28. I'm William. I'm Jake. And I'm David. We'll see you next time. Follow us on social media. Our Twitter is at voxarcanapod. Our Facebook and Instagram are at voxarcanapodcast. And our email, once again, is voxarcanapodcast at gmail.com. Why won't you die?